The entire team at the Emsolation Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians and cultures of the lands and seas on which we live and work. We pay our respects to all First Nations peoples, elders and ancestors. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and stand in solidarity towards a shared future. I personally want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I record this podcast every week, the Wurundjeri people. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place I call home. Always was, always will be. With a smattering of blonde hair on the cheeks, but not too much around the butthole. If I could just tell you how stunning his bottom is. And Michael Lucas. You have a high capacity to feel a personal attack. This is Emsolation. Also, full respect for you calling yourself a 40-year-old, not a 40-something. Well done, well done, well done. Let's hold on to that. I'm younger than you, bitch. You are. You're in Emsolation. Well, hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, a neurodivergent magic brain, a podcaster. And together with my best friend, screenwriter and podcaster, Mr Michael Lucas, I bring you this podcast every Thursday. And my goodness, welcome to all of our new listeners and followers. First of all, gosh, it's great you're here. And secondly, where the fuck have you been? Why has it taken you two years to figure out this is the greatest podcast ever in existence, ever? Anyway, you're here now. Thank God. Thank God you're here. Oh, put in the Mr G grab. Thank God you're here. God! I love it. I know that that whole scenario is problematic. Where have you been, bitch? Where have you bloody been? But Mr G, I'm sorry, I... (sighs) Mum! 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 Mum, you know, instead of mum. Oh, my God. And Pat with the gum nut up her nose. Remember Pat? And she rolled around Australia. We could be heroes. I know, I know, I know. Very problematic, but there was some gold in there. I am feeling much better. Thank you so much for asking. You didn't. But I'm assuming you're thinking, God, I hope she's better. I'm okay. I did read in the news that there was a super bug going around, like a hectic transformer Terminator 2 style flu. I think I definitely had. So I'm okay. I'm still very tired, but I'm going to have to rally myself because I'm going to see the Melbourne premiere of Hamilton this week. How does a bastard orphan son of a whore and a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean? If I was on radio, I'd stop, but it's my own fucking show, so I'll keep going. By providence, impoverished in squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar. Come on, everyone. The $10 founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a lot smarter, by being a self-starter. By 14, he put himself in charge of a trading charter. Oh, wait. Fuck, I fucked it up. They placed him in charge of a trading charter. Yeah. Yeah, I just kept going. And and when people feel uncomfortable, I just keep going more. I do a lot of rapping in this episode unexpectedly, but Coolio was in my suburb. Yeah, you heard me. That's right. Fucking Coolio. Been spending most... Yeah. So, obviously, we have to talk about that. I am 
so ready to see Hamilton again. Obviously, I saw it in Sydney, but it's opening in Melbourne. My friend Lyndon Colin Watts plays Burr, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him do it again after a year of honing it, perfecting it. It's going to be great. I'll tell you all about it. I'm wearing a nice special frock that's kind of see-through, a bit saucy. Scott's buying a new jacket. He's right now going off to buy himself a, a golden velvet jacket and a new shirt because none of his clothes fit him because they all apparently shrunk in the wash during the pandemic. So he came out last night looking like, you know when sausages, the skin pops a bit and things start bursting out? That's what my husband looked like in his shirt last night in his pants. And he walks out and he goes, oh, God, it's so... Did she wash these in hot water? I go, yeah, it's my fault. It's my fault. Oh, yeah, there's an update on the Scott situation in the episode. I'm not going to tell you now. That's called a hook and a tease in Radioland. Thank you so much. So Scott's getting a new jacket and a shirt in a size up and pants. You know, and I took his hands and I said, Scotty, your clothes are meant to fit you, not the other way round. It's okay, mate. Go up a size. Just go get what fits you. Cut the tags out if you want. Go buy it from Country Road. Everybody knows if you're a Country Road size 10, well, that's not the truth, but you go buy it, whatever you need. So uh, next week I'll let you know how it went, but it's all very exciting. Uh, What else is in the pod? We talk about the new South Australian Prime Minister. No, although Michael and I, if we had our way, the new South Australian Premier, he did a tops off shoot. It was an interesting campaign strategy that seems to have paid off. There's a lot of peen talk. Just look, we're on brand this week. My daughter has been watching a show and everybody's been telling me about it, Minx. So we discussed that. Gilded Age makes an appearance. Oh God, it's full of everything. So welcome if this is your second ever episode. We're continuing on with the themes and the energy, the chaos. I'm so glad you're here. I will have, look, I'm going to tease this now. Next week, I've been asked to do, or I've been asked to do something and I'll be able to tell you all next week what it is. But it is the biggest thing in my entire professional career I've ever been asked to do. My parents are beside themselves. Everybody I tell who I'm allowed to tell their reaction is, wow, really? Jesus, congratulations. It's big. You're you're never going to guess it in a million years. And I want to know what you think. But next week, I'll be able to announce the biggest thing that has ever happened in my career is going to be happening this year. Uh, It has nothing to do with John Farnham. Don't get your hopes up. I mean, if that if that was happening, it would just be R.I.P. me. It would just be a cloud of leopard print fabric and glitter, like, and sweat on this chair. It, it's not John Farnham, but it's pretty fucking big. You'll be very proud of your girl. And then you'll be able to go on the anxiety journey with me until I have to actually do the thing that I'm going to tell you what it is. Oh, what is it? You'll have to wait till next week. <sighs> okay, that's enough for me. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Michael's in Brisbane. It's not even here in this beautiful studio I built for us. I bloody spent the weekend soundproofing, came in this morning, it all fell down. So that's it. I'm going in heavy. I'm going to, like, order glue from Mexico if I have to. Like, I don't know why I picked Mexico. I'm not saying there's the glue's better in Mexico, but I don't know, it just feels like the right thing to say. We need strong glue. We need glue that people will have to clear the building. Only caution tape. It's on. It's on. But he's not here. But that's okay. doesn't matter. All right, everyone. Enjoy, enjoy. Oh, God, I just got to take a breath. Why am I so, like, hyped up? What? Oh, because we just did the episode. It's a lot of dick talk. Play the music. (laughs) 
M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. Michael Lucas, we are coming off the back of our most listened to Emsolation episode of all time. Really? Welcome. That is wild. And <laughs> frankly, do we have to credit Scott? Yes. And him shitting? Yeah, I guess. Scott's diary is finally paying off for someone. It's... And the extraordinary thing is he is yet to even listen to the episode. Doesn't even know we did it. (laughs) (laughs) That says it all. Really? Doesn't it? He deserves it. He has no idea. We've roared up the charts. We're like, we're one of the top comedy podcasts in the country. The episode's done gangbuster numbers in only a week. And the common denominator is, yeah, my husband. Losing control of his bowels and neglecting to call me. Wow. Oh, I won therapy. You've graduated therapy. Graduated. I just want everyone to know how good therapy was for me when I caught up with Lisa, my psychologist. Oftentimes we discuss, you know, ways I can improve and the things I'm doing, because I like to make the therapy sessions about ways I can improve rather than blaming my husband for everything. Sure. But I sat down and I told her what had happened and she completely validated me. Wow. For the first time ever. And I won. Like, you know when you can go to therapy and like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. I've actually it's never been to therapy in terms of, like, couples. But can I just ask, because obviously you're much more experienced than me, is it mm. deemed to be a good thing to seek to win therapy? What does the therapist <laughs> say about that? Look, uh, no, we don't do couples therapy. It's just solo okay, therapy. Okay. So it's okay, it's okay for me to win solo therapy. Right. Because you know, oftentimes my behaviour is the subject of the things. Right. And, oh, what can I do to be better? Blah, blah, blah. But I was totally, and it, this doesn't often happen. I was totally in the right. And so I won therapy. Oh, I won therapy that, that week. I really but, sincerely hope your therapist just dropped her pen at some point and said, I have done hundreds, <laughs> maybe thousands of sessions and I don't think I've heard a tale of woe to rival the Scott shitting, <laughs> not texting story. <laughs> I wanted that. She didn't give it to me. I did. I was kind of saying, Lisa, is this like the worst thing you've ever heard? Like I did ask a couple of times. I did prompt her. She wouldn't give it to you. Me. It should be, she should have a direct line to the Order of Australia <laughs> people and it should just basically be like, congratulations, OBE <laughs> and Rossiano for surviving the cycling shitting. <laughs> uh, I don't care if you're being sarcastic, I'll take it. In other exciting news though, I have to tell everyone, I was in pottery class on Monday night. I'm still going. It was my final one and I've signed up for round two. So Respect. Eh. I know. <laughs> Haters sit down. And Doubters shut up. <laughs> and I'm in both categories. Thank God. And the whole whole course was about wheel pottery throwing on the wheel like in Ghost. But very quickly I realised I was very bad at that and I don't like the feeling of the wet clay on my hands because of all the sensory stuff. So I ended up going into a separate room and making pinch pots and I've made these egg cups and my art teacher, my pottery teacher, has commissioned me to make some for her. Pottery, it's a wonder, isn't it? So all you naysayers, get directly fucked. <coughs> I am pottery. I am ceramics. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. My birthday is in November, so you've got a lot of months to go and I can't wait to see how you've elevated the form of the pinch pot by that Everyone's time. getting pottery. You're getting pottery and you're <laughs> getting pottery. Like, everyone, the kids, it's going to be like it's the pottery bonanza. But in pottery class, we were just sitting away and our teacher, Gabby, she just said, oh, Coolio played at the festival on the weekend. Oh, so you fucking what? So... I live out in the sticks, it's suburban, and, like, there's dream catches for sale at the servo, there's a whole rose quartz shop. We have pottery conventions once a month 
it's the place to go for like middle-aged people who want to wear a sketches and elasticated high-waisted oh. pants. Drinking a winery. And there's not a cafe that doesn't offer some sort of Devonshire's tea arrangement. Oh, million percent. So Coolio rocks up. Unbelievable. And then Sue, another lady in the class who's older, and she's like, who? And so then I, of course, had to perform as I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> Take a look at my life. Oh, my God. I realise there's nothing left because I've been blasting and laughing so long. that in my... And Sue's looking at me like, mm, nah, not across that. I kept going, been spinning most that she did not know. And, and then it just led me to tell the whole story to my entire pottery class of how, as a 13, 14, 15-year-old white girl from the suburbs, I pretty much was a fully-fledged member of the Oh, Crips. absolutely. You were living in a gangster's paradise. <laughs> 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 we were at primed perfect age, I think, for that. And that song just absolutely... I still remember playing it. I think at my 15th birthday party... Which was in a very oh, yes. awesome wood panelled room <laughs> with my mother's <laughs> candles and everything like that. But tell you what, that wasn't stopping us from chanting out Gangster's oh. Paradise like it spoke to the core of our souls. Right. And Joe Lucas, your mother loves to hand carved owls. Wooden owls everywhere. But that didn't stop us singing a little bit of Warrenjee. Regulators! Regulators! Mauna! We were regulators. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warren G was on the streets. We were on the streets trying to consume. If, like, if there is a revival of '90s R&B, I reckon there's a market for it. And I mean, we are obviously sitting smack bang in the middle of that market, but we will show just... up and we go deep. You can be a one-hit wonder. <laughs> Honestly, I want to see Salt and Pepper. It's I, true. I want to see who sang. Who sang Genuine? <gasps> I tell you what, seeing the video of Coolio, and honestly, I think the butcher is on drums. There's this old guy with white hair playing behind him. There are families packing up picnic rugs oh. as Coolio's rapping. There's a guy who was like a jazz musician who just finished his set high-fiving people, not listening to Coolio, oh. blatantly ignoring Coolio. It's amazing. Oh, I want, anyway, you know what would be the ultimate on Vogue? If they came, don't let go. Oh, forget, forget it. Forget it. <laughs> forget it. I mean... On Vogue, uh, don't think I didn't walk around singing, I wear tight clothing, high-heeled shoes, that doesn't mean that I'm a prostitute. And, like, I was a prostitute in my mind. I was. Work it, work it, baby, work it, work it, own it. <laughs> Absolute virgin. Yeah, <laughs> That yeah, wouldn't yeah. change until 100%. an Irish pub. But... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's my exciting news. Scott didn't listen to the podcast. Most listened to episode last week. Thank you so much. And Coolio played under a tent with some fairy lights bought from Typo. So, I mean, what a weekend. What a weekend. <laughs> We're living in a time of great change and sometimes it's exhilarating. Yeah. Moving on, South Australia has a new leader, Labor leader and hot dad, Peter Malinowskis has been voted in as their new Premier, and I put forward a motion to Parliament to commence henceforth tops off Tuesdays just for the New South Australian leader. No, we just want to be clear, not for the whole state Parliament. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Just Pete. Hashtag Premier Hot Dad Pete Copyright Me. I really want to see this happen. I just think as they go to the metal detector, the security guard, who I hope is a like an amazing kind of elderly woman. I'll take your shirt, thanks, Pete, <laughs> and the jacket. <laughs> got some baby oil here, babes. Would you like me to? <laughs> if you think that I'm about to sit here and sexually objectify 
the new Premier for South Australia. You're fucking right. I am. He is hot! I look like a guy who's been hitting the gym. <laughs> he he is a unique combo. Mm-hmm. And I feel I feel like this is a historic moment because I've been racking my brains to think of which Australian elected leader, state or federal, would be hotter than Peter. And I'm going to come out and say I don't think we've ever had one. I agree. Who's ahead? No one. No one. I mean, some people sort of said Hawke had his charm at a certain time, but come on. He wasn't. No one wanted to I see mean, him, like, mm, you know, shirtless in the pool. Goss. Goss had a certain striking gravitas. Keating was elegant. Abbott had a rig, but just is Abbott. Steve Brax had so the genes I, that he was going to give oh, his son. I don't feel he was tops off ready as Premier. Definitely not tops off ready. I feel like Peter, Premier Hot Dad Pete, hashtag Premier Hot Dad Pete, hashtag Premier Hot Dad Pete, <laughs> is our first. I agree. And he is 41, so our leaders are now truly officially younger than you and I, so we are old. Uh, he has three children. He was a former trolley boy. Oh, haven't we heard that story a lot? I respect it. <laughs> he did progress to register. Look, I had a child who worked at the deli for three years, and the deli is apparently where all the you know the, the cream of the crop work. If you if you're doing trolleys and at the register, you're not valued. Oh. Sorry, I would be more impressed if he was in okay. the deli. Yeah, Chella was the deli girl for three years. It's very interesting because he was kind of low profile for the whole pandemic. He yes. unequivocally supported yes. Stephen Marshall. So in Victoria, you had little Nomi boy throwing pot chops at Dan. But in South Australia, he was like, I support you, we need to band together. And I think that's really worked. It has. And it's it's been fascinating because that's what Elbow did largely as well. You know, oh. basically said, we stand with the government, we support, we just want to work together to get through this. And it, and is the Victorian experience with little O'Brien suggests being like the sort of barking dog that's constantly criticising everyone. No one's into it. No one's into it. And who would have ever thought that just being quiet and supportive would be a winning strategy? But it really has. M- maybe helps that you can pair it with some shirtless pictures from the pool. Well, the shirtless pictures from the pool, I think, really cinched it. Someone had that idea. I'd like to think it was a sassy guy in his team because he was kind of relatively low profile. And then all of a sudden he goes down to the local leisure centre with his three kids and his wife, who's wearing a sensible long sleeve rashy, I will point out, yep. <laughs> and an indoor pool. And Pete is just there, just guns blazing. The gun show, everyone bought a ticket. It's like front page. Mm, the Premier's pecs. Woo! Hashtag Premier's pecs, I like that. Let's call the episode the Premier's pecs. And all of a sudden, he's on he's on everyone's lips. He's on everyone's mind. We all know who he is. I'll go, I had no idea who this bloke was till I saw the pool photo. Nor did I, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing whatsoever. And then he became, then I, was, then I was already talking about how long till he can run for PM. <laughs> How many how many terms do we need as South Australian Premier before he can inevitably ascend? Look, he did unfortunately have a little slip up where he referred to some young libs out for a run as a pack of girls. Ooh, so well, and we should also mm. say he's socially conservative and, yes. and you know, and this was a long time ago, over 10 years ago, but he was against same-sex marriage. <gasps> he was, and stem cell research and also very conservative on euthanasia and abortion, all of those. These were, and he even said, my views will be considered socially conservative. And then went on to say, oh, I no, didn't I'm get conflicted. involved in the Labor movement because of these issues. He got, he believes in the fair go. But um, anyway, so, but we should also say they were over a decade ago. And he, so it was more about sort of like education and health, uh, you know, uh, I would say the two things can go together. But um, so that is, you know, something that we would. No, that's not okay. No, exactly. I need to make my inquiries to find out if his mind's been changed because we cannot objectify him in good conscience if he is a bad person. <laughs> I don't think he would now be still anti-same-sex marriage. 
uh, but, and a lot of people, a lot of people, I mean, even Barack Obama himself at that stage True. was anti-same-sex marriage. So All right. we haven't stopped objectifying him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Look, it's very exciting for South Australia. They were only in for one term, the, the Libs, during a pandemic, and South Australia were, did pretty well during that pandemic. So it seems like the government oh. did their job in terms of that The social stuff. media game was next level and also the speech. The victory speech, I totally have to credit. One huge faux pas, forgot to thank his wife. Don't know <gasps> how he left that off. And he said well. he's absolutely reeling and feels really bad about it. Was that was a that was a stunning thing. But what I loved about it was he really built to the US political almost Oprah-esque crescendo in the speech, which we don't often get. And mm. because he spoke about how when he went to vote it, he voted with a Syrian beside a Syrian refugee family that I 100% know his team must have set up for him to vote right next to them. Don't and care. I respect it, respect Good. it, respect it. Yep. And he talked about what an honour it was to stand next to this beautiful family and that he was there as the opposition leader running for Premier casting his vote and they were there in Australia full of new hope for their families and children. And at that very moment, as we were standing next to each other, our votes were worth exactly the same. And then he even did the sort of like... I should refer to a better political leader, but I'm going to say Oprah-esque because you know how Oprah sometimes, when she really gets fired up and she does repeat phrases. I mean, possibly you could say JFK. You could even say Martin Luther King. Who knows? But he did this whole big thing about as we rebuild from the pandemic, we think 20 years from now, what will they say about how we did it? And then he got on this whole role where he's like, let them say, let them say. And let them say that we took this opportunity to invest in education, training and skills so that every young person could fulfil their potential. Let them say, let them say that this generation realise the opportunity of a clean energy future and all the jobs it can provide. And it's so rare to see an Australian politician just go for it and also have amazing olive skin and also salt and pepper flex at the side and good shirtless. It was really, it was the full package. <laughs> he was shirted when he made his victory speech, I hasten to add. Although if he wasn't, uh, still no complaints. Wow, I haven't watched the speech yet, but I feel like I don't need to. I think... You've just reenacted it beautifully. I, I, I thank you, well, sir. Well, it's also 20 minutes, so I've just given you the potted version. Oh, but basically, okay. That's but all basically your general thank yous. Oh, also, just one more thing I've got to say about it. Extraordinarily, yes. like, out of bounds of graciousness to the outgoing Premier. Stephen Marshall's call was utterly generous. It was gracious. And um, it was done with the class... Um, that we have become incredibly familiar with. And to the and he took a moment to thank the whole Liberal Party. Like, he was really doing the whole, we're taking the toxicity out of politics. We're going to be... They, oh. And he said something like, they are not our enemies. But then he said they're our oh. adversaries. And I felt like I wanted to, like, look up in the dictionary and figure, hang on, what? <laughs> what? But anyway, he's... Oh, he's a classy, classy. winner. I love La that. No, that's classy right. winner. Everyone loves a classy oh. winner with pictorial definition. Continue. I don't like a classy winner. I love really bad winners. They amuse me to no end. I have to tell you, terrible winners who are like, nah, fuck you all, it was all me and I'm amazing, give me far more pleasure and entertainment than classy winners. I'll just say it. I don't care what you think of me. Obviously, we are still yet to have an election date. I can't, another week, still nothing. This has to happen by May, friends. We are nearly in April, so you do the maths. He is running out of time. And in my favourite political news of the week, uh, Philip Ruddock has uh, threatened, now he's in the Hornsby Shire Council, there's been bin stickers, people have been sticking on their wheelie bins, uh, bin Scott Morrison as, as Prime Minister. Philip Ruddock says, if you put those stickers on your bins, we will not collect your bins. 
Let's just say, thank God, he is not the MP for Northcote where I live because he would be fucked. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I I would have to take the sticker off. Bin collection at my place is very important. Yeah. And even though I don't think ScoMo should be Prime Minister, I would be out there with my eucalyptus oil scraping the oh, sticker really? off because we can't miss a bin week. It's time to take out the trash. <laughs> it would be the natural order. It would be chaos. Like, sometimes Scott makes us drive around and be binges, bin ninjas, where we have to, like... Because I'm also the streets binfluencer. People look to our house to know what colours to put out. I'm totally the binfluencer. And so... Sometimes we have way too much garbage, and this was pre-having my own private skip room mm, at the office. Mm. Scott would drive around with the headlights off and make one of the kids, because I refused to do it in the end, uh, we would go around and stick our rubbish in people's bins mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. down the street because we had to mm. know the room. So if I if, if I was refused a bin collection because of a sticker, oh, my God! We all have our threshold by which we suddenly abandon our political <laughs> principles. And I thought your threshold was... I do think it is very, very high. I think there's a lot of things you wouldn't be challenged on, but when it comes to bin night, <laughs> some things. You're not going to go full Zelensky yeah. the whole way. I mean, it's just... No. When I was ordering everything off the internet during the pandemic, oh, my Christ, you should have seen it. I was having to hide packaging in my car and then I had to then go hide it at my mum and dad's. But because I couldn't see them, I was piffing it over the fence so my dad could put it in his recycling. It was insane. I was in three different shires with my rubbish. And when there was a five kilometre radius where he couldn't drive, I was like, oh, shit, and the tip's shut. Oh, my God. <laughs> rubbish disposal takes up so much of my brain space, you have no idea. No, well, I know. I remember your relation when you realised the, the office you're in right now gave you access to a skip. <laughs> It was honestly, if there was any doubt in your mind over the value yeah. of lavishing this much money on an office, it evaporated in an instant when we saw <laughs> the waste disposal options you now had at your disposal. Yeah, but I'm now also really conscious because there's security cameras around the bin room, so I have to, like, I wait till the lights all go out and I put the cardboard kind of across my face because I have so much yeah. rubbish and I, I don't want to get in trouble with the people who watch the videos. So I'm, like, I'm really conscious now, like, hiding my face. I've learned, like, I'm on Mission Impossible. I've learned all my spots where I can, where I have to put my head down. I'll just have to start wearing wow. a cap or something. Maybe I'll get a wig for taking the rubbish out. I really have thought sure. a lot about it. Jesus. And let's just say <laughs> certainly no political slogans are going to be put on those skips. No. But, look, I mean, he's got to call it soon, everybody, and... I read an amazing article by Peter Lewis this morning and it said the floods have neatly showcased all of ScoMo's biggest weaknesses, the climate denial, the duct responsibility and the completely incompetent service delivery in the form of relief and assistance. So it's really... And the way that he was delegating relief funds to his electorates and not to Balliner and Byron, you know, Mm, that were mm. Labor electorates, like, it's just been so much breathtaking incompetence that I still don't think he's going to be there, but I just don't see how he could win if he was... I don't know, we'll see. All right, we're going to go away, we're going to come back and, oh, exciting developments and just like that's getting a season two. Thank God. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right, Michael Lucas, there's been a lot of television watching going on. Obviously the Oscars is coming up, our grand final, our sporting event. Yeah. Um, you've broken to me via email like the coward you are, that you will not be watching it with me, that you'll be in Queensland. We'll be in Queensland. It's not okay. (laughs) Anyway, I have been watching a lot of The Gilded Age. New York is a collection of villages. The old have been in charge since before the revolution. 
until the new people invaded. We've spoken about it previously, and honestly, this show is the most outrageously camp thing ever to be made, ever. Mm -hmm. If Liberace's bleached asshole were to make a television show and put rhinestones on the edge of its anus, it would still not be half as camp mm. as Christine Baranski and the lines. How does she deliver them with a straight face? Heads have rolled for less. Oh, well, she's an exceptional professional. And I feel like she's traded in pure silky camp for most of her career. But mind you, <laughs> this is the zenith of it. This is her grand final. <laughs> oh my God, the Gilded Age, and there's the the, the Russells who are my favourite couple. They're the, the she's the new upstart, new money, extremely wealthy, but came from nothing. And all the old money, all the New York women with the old money hate her because they're all from they all came on with the Pilgrims. And so she and her husband, Miss Russell, who's in charge of all the railways, they are the ultimate marriage. I'm afraid New York can be quite challenging at first. We haven't found it so, have we, George? There is no challenge you are not equal to, my dear. They are rock steady crew. They are. Like they would dump dead bodies Absolutely. for each other. They back each other out a hundred. He is tempted by other women, like often very dramatically. He's got sort of yeah. maids coming in and basically tearing off their tops right in front of him. And and he, he but he yeah. respects his wife, stays with her. Respects and have you found him getting incrementally hotter to you as the season goes on? <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Because the yes. first one, I didn't even notice him in the first episode, didn't at all. I was looking at more sort of like the pretty like lawyer that the blonde chick was into or whatever. And then as time went on, the more ferociously he defended <sighs> everything, defended Bertha, the more he respected her. And Bertha herself wanders around with this sort of deep baritone voice in total nonchalance. And I, Who's Bertha? Um, Carrie Coon. Oh, oh my God. Is she, I could go on about her forever. Wait, is her name Bertha? Yeah, Bertha Russell. That's not her name. Bertha Russell. Is yes. It Bertha. She's got a mysteriously, tragically uncool name. Oh, I just I just call her Mrs. Russell. I will decide who comes I'll to be... dinner at my own house, thank you. <laughs> and they will do exactly as I tell them. Or they will be gone and dismissed at my behest. Carrie Coon, so famous for decades and decades for the most intensely naturalistic contemporary performances, is now playing high camp, and <laughs> thank God. It's so great, so great. Speaking of high camp, and just like that is getting a second season. And just like that, we began our real friendship. Yeah. I'm glad. Me too. Me too. I, 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 I think <laughs> I've just I've hit a point of acceptance with it, and the acceptance is obviously I will be watching every single episode. I mean, the question on everyone's lips is, will they bring Shay Diaz back? Will Shay Diaz be funny? That's the, that's the cliffhanger. And just because my family loves me does not mean that they're not confused. Okay. <laughs> I am like an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. They're so confused. Will Shay Diaz actually crack some jokes or continue to give her Year 11 Social Studies TED Talks? I don't know. I'm on the edge of my seat to find out. I hope she doesn't but... get funny because that was <laughs> that was truly one of the most compelling elements of that show. Really? Yeah. Like every se uh... we the conversation was never. Oh, I'm so intrigued by these characters and what's going to happen next. But in the conversation was, can we just break down the scene that we just saw? How did a number of people sit together in a room and that's what they came <laughs> up with? And I, I do want more of it. I just want a lot of sex for these women. If season two isn't a bonk fest, if there isn't a middle-aged woman getting deep, deep dicked or gone down on every single episode, I want my money back. I don't know what the fuck she's saying, but girl, I am living. Well, I'm I think you're going to be in for a good ride because I think that they took all of the that season, the first season, 
to basically get Carrie to a point where she's open. She's ready. Yeah, she's ready. She's ready. I mean, I, I actually thought they could have hustled along. In Offspring, full credit to us. We killed off Dr. Patrick end of season four. We had Nina having a one-night stand three episodes in to season five. Okay, let's let's pause there. How much consideration goes into how long one character must grieve before they are able to have a deep dicking? Because I imagine there was quite a few There meetings. was quite a few meetings. And you know what? We, I feel like we went for a very intelligent option because we made her embrace the idea of trying to have a one-night stand, but then she got too grief-stricken to properly go through with it. And then, so this is how much sex we got into it. She starts trying to have the one-night stand with Leo and she starts having flash visions that it's Patrick. So we we <gasps> delivered, not only is she moving on in her sex life, but we're also giving you flashbacks to the hot guy you liked. But to be honest, we, yeah, we were caned on social media, of course. But she had, <laughs> didn't she have ghost yes. sex? Yes. Didn't she have hot ghost sex? Basically, yes. Yes, that's right. Mm. I forgot that. Well, I, I, that's all I'm saying. The women who you are pitching this to, and I and I put myself in that category, as I have said many times over, our vaginas have not, you know, shriveled up and died. We're still horny. Some of some people, you know, are a bit dry because of perimenopause. Whatever. It doesn't mean we don't want to watch the people on the telly doing the things we would like to do, but we're too fucking tired to do. So that is my note mm-hmm. to the writers of and just that's like right. That. I need more more sex, more pain. More of that stuff. Oh, and it did end with Carrie kissing the hot grey silver fox producer. So I felt like that was oh, that was right. the tease for season two. <gasps> oh my god! Yes, I thought about the guy she spewed on. I was thinking I don't no. want to see her having sex with the guy. She kissed the hot That's producer. Right. That I think basically, I mean, I would yes. recommend to them that if they want to reel you in, they should just come straight back, smash cut into their sex scene. I'd be into it. I want like a three six five DNI style yacht scenario, but they're just in the Hudson River, and like <laughs> Gary's there. They've got a drone. <laughs> <laughs> There's a drone. They come in down on the hot producer's ass. Multiple shots. Like I really think they should get the inter- intimacy coach and the film and the cameraman and the director in on that episode. I can see it all. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, before you go, there is a new TV show called Minx. You read my magazine. I did. What, you think I'm illiterate or something? Well... Look, it's not Proust. It's pronounced Proust. Do people enjoy your company? Not really. Oh, you're not suggesting that you publish the matriarchy away. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> I mean, not in its current okay. form. And don't get me wrong, it's good. It's just you got to hide the medicine. It's like when you give a pill to a dog, you dip it in peanut butter first. Sorry. Nude men. <laughs> have you heard of it? I have, thanks to the Emsolation Facebook group. Yeah, so I'm going to bring in Marcella, social media captain, and my daughter. Marcella, if you could please come over here to the microphone. Now, I've never been sent so many messages being told to watch a show, and not because of the storylines, not because it's, you know, particularly a strong female lead doing amazing things. It's because of one particular topic. Now, if you had to describe episode one, how would you do so, Marcella? Um, a lot of pain. <laughs> That's what, that is the key message that I have walked away with. <laughs> yes. Varieties. What do you mean? Different shapes and sizes and colours and girths. Like, it was... And, and can we ask the critical question? To your educated eye, was it, were they prosthetics? Because, because you know, Euphoria's been playing around with peens and, and same with Pam and Tommy, but they're not the real deal. Do you know? I don't know. I think they were real. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Except for maybe they, they end up hiring a guy to play sexy fireman and he has to, like, 
put his penis on a pole. <laughs> and I just don't... It was very large, so I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> I just say my whole parenting journey has led me to this moment where my daughter has not only said girth, uh, but as also described a fireman flopping his penile on a pole. <laughs> They're definitely real. <laughs> oh, Ben, Ben, come in here. Uh, we have Ben's coming in too. No, stay here, Chella. Ben, come and join the chat if you could. You've watched and... Yes, definitely real peen. Defi no prosthetic. Thank God. Wow. <laughs> Thank God. Can I just say I love that <laughs> we've come this far and I still know nothing about the story, the premise or anything like that, and yet I 100% know that I'll be watching... I don't care about the premise. Let us see your dick. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. That's good. Okay, well, Minx, you've, you've, it's five peens out of five from the Emsolation team and only one of us has watched it. So that is all you need to know. I'm glad that there is diversity in penis. I think that's very important, George Lonsaker. <laughs> penis diversity <laughs> is an important issue. All right, I'll talk to you soon and hopefully we have an election date next time we catch up. Hopefully. Talk soon. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right. Well, how many of you are off to watch Minx now. It's on Stan. You're welcome. So you don't have to Google it. It's on Stan. And it is about the first female porn focused, I think, magazine. I don't know. I'm guessing. And um, it's good. Marcellus is very good. So I'm going to go and watch it. I'm sorry. It sounded like I didn't care about the content. But I do. But the other stuff is funny because so often it's women's breasts on display for, since the beginning of television time began. And now there's just a whole smorgasbord of sausages. Good. I'm glad. Uh, make sure you are following us on Instagram. Aforementioned daughter runs that beautifully, splendidly. We've got over 20,000 now. She is building that up. Well, domination next. It's at Emsolation Podcast. Make sure you're getting the newsletter every Thursday with all the details. Have you got your pass, your online reservation to watch our second birthday live stream? Make sure you have. And there are now 10 seats left to see us in the flesh. If you're in Melbourne, April 12th. And you can be at the Malthouse Theatre at 7pm. We have merch. I have arranged very special merch for the people who are in attendance. Grab those last 10 tickets. All the information you need is at the socials and also in the newsletter that is coming your way. Have a fantastic week. I have a photo shoot next week. I have Hamilton this week. I have so many things to be doing and looking forward to. It's exciting times. My health is almost back. Hopefully the next time we speak, ScoMo is called the election because then, you know, it's a weekly election roundup. Oh, that's going to be good fun. Have a good time. Have a nice time. Have a great time until we next speak. Bye-bye. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify-exclusive podcast recorded at Down the Hill Studios, hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas, executive produced by Benjamin Wosley, produced by M. Rossiano, edited by Ezekiel Fenn at Entente Music, with videos by James Henderson, socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow, with assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts, plus occasional off-a-shelf installs and flat-pack wrangling from M's dad, Vincey. Get more Emsolation by following us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. Join other Emsolators at the Emsolation Group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. And please, take the time to share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app by hitting the follow button. Thanks again for taking time out to listen to this week's episode and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Mm -hmm.